Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Uh, my name is Eric Strand, and yes, uh, Trent and Cody and the guys have allowed me to start doing some podcasts. So, yes, with greater power, great power comes great responsibility. So, kind of excited to start doing this. Um, our goal is to keep on rolling with one podcast a week, uploading every Monday. And uh, yeah, we love to see your guys' feedback. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, Onyx, big time sponsor. Really appreciate them. If you guys don't have Onyx, definitely got to check them out. I honestly don't know anyone who doesn't have Onyx, but if you don't, you definitely need to do it. And then also, kind of exciting, um, we're going to be doing a rut report all elk season. So every Monday, we're going to upload kind of what we're seeing, what's going on, where we're at, what's happening. We're not going to give you an exact location, but yes, we will tell you what's going on. And yeah, it's kind of exciting just to kind of share notes because we'll be spread spread across Oregon and Idaho and, and other states. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. But with that, um, I'm super excited to announce uh, first guest here with me is my best friend, Brian Stone, which little backstory, uh, Brian and I have been running together for about 20 years now. Uh, started out in college together, roommates. Um, we've been through a lot. We started a call business, which has now actually been purchased back by, uh, by born race call company. We ran a guide service together. Um, we've been in lots of trouble together. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Brian, uh, dude, I'm super, super happy to have you here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've, uh, we've had our fair share of, uh, of, of incidents. So it's been a, it's been a good run, man. It's the, it's those close calls though, that definitely, uh, definitely kind of, you, you learn from them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And if you guys uh, haven't watched on Land of the Free 3, uh, Brian and I were in Wyoming, and Brian killed an absolute slob, which is probably one of the coolest videos I've seen in a long time. How, how big was that bull, Brian? Uh, I think we taped him like 348 or something like that, maybe 347. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, just round up and say he's 350. So Absolutely. <laughs> he's a stud. Yeah. It was pretty cool the way that, that went down, too. I mean, we never, almost never sit wallows, but that area we were in was just, it was just crazy. We couldn't get close enough to those bulls to actually make him commit. And then all of a sudden he decided to bring the entire herd with him, which when his first satellite came running in to that wallow, which was like a three ten bull, I, I couldn't believe it. I literally could not believe it. No. And they just kept coming too. And they just kept bugling in the back. And, um, that was just, it was crazy. Um, I mean, just looking, watching that video, I don't think it truly captures like how lucky we got. Because in the video, I think it's maybe two, three minutes. We're sitting there by the time, you know, you hear the bulls coming pretty soon. They're in our lap, but man, it felt like we were sitting there for at least 10 minutes with elk in front of us and the wind never swirled. How, how, how about the fact that we were literally packing our gear to start hunting again? We, we, we <laughs> yeah, what, right? break for like two hours and we're like, well, this ain't happening. Let's start putting our gear together. And all of a sudden we heard a bull bugle close and it was like, okay, this is, this is happening. Yeah, that was wild. Dude just woke up out of his bed and said, "Well, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go play in some mud." So here we you know, come. One thing we actually weren't able to capture there, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because it was so disgusting. But we had no water, and we were filtering water. I hate to even admit this, guys, but out of a wallow, it was disgusting. 
Dude, that was a first for me. <laughs> I definitely, definitely had to replace some uh, some water filtration systems when I got home after that. Oh, trip. My filter was it was done. <laughs> I, I just threw it away. It was so disgusting. But, I'm yeah, surprised we, that catadine pump I have still works after that one. We were still like sitting there looking at each other, looking at that bowl, going, "Okay, we've got about four miles of packing to get this thing out of here." And anyone's like, "Anyone have water?" Nope, nope. Ferris Bueller, no, nope. nobody. <laughs> Dude, we packed down too. Like we're finally like, you know what? We should probably just get water because we didn't know if there's water on the way back. Yeah. And so I, I feel like we walked like a quarter of a mile down the hill to get water, and then and then came back up to up to that bowl. That was awesome, man. So I, I had a question for you, just kind of rehashing old old memories. What do you? What was like your favorite elk hunting trip that we've had together yet? Because I got one that sticks out in my mind that I don't think you're. I don't know. Maybe you'll agree, but it was one of the most favorite trips I've ever had. I think I'm going to surprise you, man. I mean, obviously that Wyoming trip was was epic. I mean, you know, just the build up to that hunt, and um, I mean, we've been playing that thing for like ten years. You know, we we had ten preference points and doing a ton of research. And obviously, I mean, a trip like that is, it's epic. I mean, I hope that we'll get to do something like that again. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic about your hunt this September, but man, my favorite dude is that trip in 2009, um, back to, I think we went to Ukiah, right there on the Ukiah Starkey border. And if I remember right, I think it was the first elk hunt. Like, I think it was the first year that you really got into bow hunting Yep. and we went back there and we just, we think we hunted for like nine days and finally I killed that spike on day eight. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because you read my mind. That, that's <laughs> hands down still one of my favorite elk trips of all time because we screwed up so many elk and we were into so many elk and looking back now, it's like, Oh my gosh, we could have killed some, some pretty good bulls. Back oh, the, the hunting was insane. Like we timed it perfectly. The bulls are just screaming. And for whatever reason, um, there was no people like we just weren't running into the guys that we typically run into. And there's elk everywhere. And like you said, man, we, God, we screwed up so many times. It, looking back, you just shake your head. Like, what are you two idiots doing? Why do you even have a bow in your hand? I, I do though. I think it's those trips that, I mean, I'll always look back on, on and have a fond memory of it. Cause it wasn't like, Oh, we killed the biggest bull or, Oh, we, you know, we killed so many bulls. It was just like the experiences and the learning curve. And like you said, that was my first real year of like, okay, I'm an elk hunter with a bow. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fun. That was a good time. Yeah, it took me like I don't know two or three years of me trying to convince you not to shoot September honkers and come elk hunting instead. But I finally got you. But hey, we killed a lot of geese in September. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that was always a good time. But now, so you're no longer in Oregon. You've been in Idaho for a while, and you guys are back in Nampa. And you know, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your business because I don't think a lot of folks realize that you've gone full blown into taxidermy. And now I've kind of established yourself in that area as one of the top, you know, top taxidermists, especially with your quality. And I've always wondered, like, why, I never asked you a question, why did you decide to go into taxidermy? What, what was it that, like, all of a sudden, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and figure this out. No, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> man, I think I've always, like, I've always kind of been drawn to art, even, you know, I was a little kid. You know, it seemed like every art project in elementary school, middle school growing up. I was always the guy drawing, you know, I'm drawing mule deer. Like everyone else is drawing, you know, baseballs and flowers and whatever. And I was just like, dude, I'm drawing on a mule deer or I'm going to draw an elk or so I've always kind of been drawn to that. And then obviously growing up hunting, I mean, you know, I had a, uh, you know, great relationship with my dad growing up and he, you know, he always took my brother and I hunting and that was always a huge part of our life. Um, and then, you know, as we, 
as you know, you and I both worked together uh, at uh, at Dave Smith Decoys there for a while. Um, you know, we got to I got to interact a lot with Dave and just see like you know, kind of that next level artist and just just kind of be inspired by what he was doing and and just kind of being around that. Just kind of kept kept I guess fueling the fire and just kind of kept the thoughts rolling in my mind about what I was really interested in. Um, and then it wasn't until. Uh, I'd say 2015 after I moved to Legrand that, that first year, you know, my dad and I went to Wyoming and, uh, I killed that really nice, uh, antelope. And, um, that was my first mount that I had done. And, um, I had that done by, I think it was Eric Stelk who did that out of Pendleton and, uh, did a phenomenal job. And it's a, it's a really nice piece that he did and did really quality work. And, but it was just like seeing that piece up on my wall and obviously now with the history of, you know, my dad and stuff and his passing and all that. Um, it's like, I look at that and I can just, I can remember everything about that hunt. Um, just like those, just the whole, like the whole experience, the drive, like the spending the time with my dad, the hunt, finding that goat and just like being able to look at that, that mount on the wall and just, it just floods back all the cool memories about that hunt. Um, which for me, I mean, obviously, you know, that was my, that was the last hunt I got to do with my dad and, um, something that very, very special to me. So I've always been super interested in that. And then it kind of, like the, the ball just kept rolling, you know, just kind of snowballed. And then I've always, um, been interested in that. And I, you know, talked to my wife about it. I was like, you know, this is going to be kind of cool. You know, like, what do you think? And, um, once we moved to Idaho, um, you know, I got to know a few guys around here and, um, I was like, you know what, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start doing this. Like, I'm going to find someone who's going to teach me. And so I reached out to, uh, to my buddy, Cody, he's, he's a, you know, a phenomenal hunter. I do a lot of dollar, dollar work for Cody. And I was like, you know, who's, who's the guy here in the Valley? Like who's, who's, who's the guy you go to, who would you recommend? Um, so I got in touch with, with Greg Heil. He's over in the, the North part of Nampa with recreation taxidermy. And I just reached out and said, Hey man, like here, here's what I'm interested in. You know, I, I've always loved taxidermy. I've always been very inspired by the the artistry of taxidermy. Um, like, would you be willing to teach me? You know, I, I, this is what I want to do. I would, um, I would probably, you know, start to maybe do a little side business. And thankfully Greg was at the point where, you know, he's, he's, he's a big taxidermist down in Utah for a long time, moved up here. He's got a really good customer base. And he's like, you know, you know, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't have, have uh, taken up on your offer, but you know, I'm, I've got a great book of business. I'm turning more work down than I can do. Like, I'd love to have you in the shop. Um, and so I just said, Hey, this is what I can do. And we just worked out a, worked out a deal, almost like a one-on-one apprenticeship school program. And I paid him for his time. And, um, I just, you know, he, he taught me the basics. He, um, uh, you know, I mounted a mule deer with him. He showed me how to mount a bear, I mounted a bull that I killed over in, uh, in central Oregon a few years back. Um, and just really kind of, I don't know, just kind of that, uh, that like kind of pushing, uh, the, the jumping off block for me and, um, just kind of helped catapult me into, into, into learning more and, and honing my craft. So, yeah, um, it, was, it was pretty cool. I remember that like vividly cause you were working crazy hours. I mean, you were working your full-time job and then going straight to his shop and then working until, I don't know how late and then <laughs> basically putting it on repeat and then doing it again every day. And I remember when you finally were like, okay, I'm ready to start accepting some work. 
I was, I thought it was really cool. It was like the floodgates opened because all of a sudden you had a really, really good loyal, you know, friend group and, and, you know, following of guys were like, Hey, as soon as you start taking work, like I'll start bringing you work. I remember you called, you were like, dude, uh, yeah, <laughs> all, of a, all of a sudden I have like 40 mounts to do. And I was like, Oh, well that, that went quickly. Yeah. Hope you like taxidermy. Yeah. No, so. but you, you hit on something there that I want to touch on because, you know, taxidermy for a lot of people, um, I think for the majority of people is just what you, what you brought up, you know, it's, it's, it's a memory. Um, it's not necessarily like, Oh, I'm, I'm mounting this because it's so big or, or because of you know, what, what it is. It's like, it's the memory behind it. Cause I, I'm looking, I'm sitting here actually looking at an antelope in, in, uh, in my room and it's like, yeah, I remember that. I remember exactly where our camp was, what happened, who I was hunting with. It was that archery hunt with Casey, you know, back in 2016. And it's just one of those things where it, it, it floods all these memories just by, just by looking at that animal. And it's, it's pretty cool because you're able to do that for, for all your clients. No, it is cool. And it, and for me, like, it's an honor, to be honest with you. I mean, I know how I feel when I look at the mounts that I have and, and just all the, the great memories that I have. So it's cool that somebody, you know, so a lot of times it's strangers, you know, obviously I've had a, a lot of you know, awesome friends and, and, and people, you know, through you and through networking that, that got to know me, but I've had so many strangers um, trust me with their mounts. And I mean, it means the world to me. Like it, I truly do feel honored to, to, you know, to, to, to capture that memory again and, and go back and, and put that animal back together. And, um, it's always cool when people get to see it again for the first time when they can, you know, they come pick up an animal. It really makes you feel good about the, you know, the time and effort you put into it. Cause I mean, I, I pour my heart on those things and it, it means a ton to me and I, I take great pride in my work and, um, it's always really neat to see a piece come together. So it, it's very, very rewarding. It's something I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And, and you always realize like this could be in someone's you know front living room where it's going to be, <laughs> be, be, be the focal point of, uh, of their family's life for people that walk in and out of that door. Oh, definitely. I mean, I look at the animal that, that, you know, that was my dad's, that was my dad's last hunt, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, even at the time of that hunt, like, you know, he was sick. Right. And, and, and I knew that and he knew that. And, um, you know, it just like, I hope that wasn't the last one, you know, but it turned out it was, but now I've got this really cool memory of, of, I like something I can look back on all the time. And, um, so yeah, so it's extremely special to me that, that people trust me with, uh, with something so sacred to them. Mm-hmm. One question I did have, cause this is a question we get all the time. I know you do too. Um, but like, what are the kind of the do's and don'ts for a hunter who might be thinking about getting an animal mounted, like they kill a nice buck or they kill, you know, kill a bull with, with someone that means a lot to them. Um, and then they're sitting there going, uh, okay, now what, I mean, <laughs> what's, what's kind of the standard, you know, SOP, the standard operating procedure for, for doing something that's going to be a shoulder mount. No, that's, that's a good question. And I mean, honestly, um, I just tell guys that, you know, treat that Cape, treat that Cape like you would the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it is, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's just like the meat. I mean, that thing's a ticking time bomb. As soon as an animal dies, um, you know, you've, you gotta get, you gotta get that thing cooled down. You gotta get it. I mean, uh, caped properly. I, I think that I you think always, that, you always tell me like when it comes to a cape, like always leave more than you think you need. Like as far as when it comes to hide, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah every time, every time someone reached out to me or, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm coming to Idaho. Like I want you to do my mount, you know? you know, what do I need to do when I get this animal down? And every time, the first thing I tell them is, is leave more Cape than you think you need. Because, you know, as a taxidermist, you, you do your best to, to put it back together. Right. But I can't, uh, I can't create more hide. Like if you cut that thing short, 
um, you know, chances are you're going to have to find a replacement cape, which, which isn't a big deal, but you know, it's always nicer to have the actual cape from that particular animal. The mount tends to go better, you know, go back together a little bit nicer. And, um, and it's just cool to know that you have the cape and the, and the antlers from, from that exact animal. Mm-hmm. So I always tell guys to do that, cut as cut more cape than you think you need. And that way too, like, you know, a lot of guys that want shoulder mounts, right. And you only need a little bit of skin right behind the the front shoulder, but <clears throat> you know, maybe your mind's going to change. Maybe you decide you want to do a pedestal mount. Um, if you've cut that too short, you don't, now you don't have enough hide to do it. So I always tell guys like right there at the center of the body, draw, you know, cut a circle, the circumference of that body. So that way, you know, you've got enough hide from the center of that animal forward and you're never going to be too short on a cape. Mm-hmm. So well, it also works out nice too. Cause I mean, I would say 90% of the animals we kill, we go with the gutless method. So you're going to basically make that cut anyway. And then you're going to make that other cut up the spine all the way up to the base of the skull. And then you just start working your way down. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You're already, you're already making progress on breaking that animal down. So you might as well do that. And then, you know, the other thing too is, is, um, you know, if you're not, if guys aren't confident and comfortable with caping out the face and you've got means to store that animal with the antlers on, I mean, obviously a, an elk, you know, it's a different ball game, but an antelope or a mule deer or whitetail, I mean, typically you can fit those into, you know, into a, a cooler at home or, or a fridge at home or whatever. Um, it's just, you know, don't, don't try, unless you're comfortable doing it, I would just take the, the skin with the head okay. to your taxidermist and let them do it. Yeah. Cause I've a, a big problem area that guys uh, make a mistake on. That's just kind of a pain about the fix is right there as you're skinning forward, you get to the, the back of the eye socket. And what people don't realize is the skin is attached kind of inside the eye socket. So they're pulling the skin back and cutting. Well, a lot of times what happens is that skin doesn't pop out from under, from inside the eye socket and you end up cutting a gigantic gash um, and making a huge hole right across the back of the eyelid. Hmm. And so it's, it's a big problem area. I have a lot of guys that bring me capes like that. I mean, it's fixable, but it's definitely uh, de- definitely worth your time and while to learn how to cape an animal all the way out from the face. If, uh, if you think you're going to have that. Do you prefer your clients to tube the legs out or can you just cut down the back of the leg? Like what's, what's kind of preferred? I prefer guys to do that. I understand it. It it is more a little more timely, but a lot of guys will, instead of cutting down the back of the leg where the hair pattern comes together and then, and then continuing that cut straight back, they'll cut down that hair pattern and then we'll take a shortcut right through the middle of the armpit. And a lot of times, especially on bigger mounts like elk, that armpit is going to be in the in the mount. So, you know, it's going to have to all be stitched back up, which isn't isn't the funnest thing to do, but um, it's fixable. So, just, I definitely just tube it if people can. Just an FYI, if we ever kill a giant black bear again together, I'm 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 never helping you snapping out. So, <laughs> just heads up. Brian, Brian killed this like 250 pound spring bear years ago up in Northeast Oregon. We get down to it and it's gorgeous. It's an awesome bear. And he's like, Oh yeah, let's start, let's start keeping it out, you know? And like two and a half hours later, he was covered in bear slime, and bear grease. Here we are with this, this hide that weighs a hundred pounds itself. And I'm just looking at him. He's looking at me and we're just like, sweet. This is awesome. Hold on. We, we got to back up first. <laughs> so first of all, I shoot that thing. And then we get down there and it tries to eat us. 
Remember I had to shoot that thing like two or three more times from about 10 feet away. I remember. Yeah. So that was awesome. And then I I thought I was going to talk it out. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is then when we started breaking that thing down, you're like, oh, let's just cut it in half. Like we'll just cut it in half and we can, I can pack this thing out. (laughs) (laughs) We we cut that thing in half and you're like, well, that's not going to work. I, I yelled I yelled some some words and expletives on the side of that mountain that night that have never I mean it should have never been heard by anyone and by the time we got back to the four wheelers I remember we both passed out cramped up hadn't had water in I don't know how long and we laid there for like a half an hour and it's like three in the morning and we just covered in ticks and yeah but just cl- climbed out of a hellhole too that thing sucked that that died in an absolutely terrible spot I'm telling you I think that, that to this day that was still probably one of the worst packouts I've ever had. I would agree with that. Yeah, like I remember our quads both just locking up, and we're just sitting there in agonizing pain next to the four wheelers, just like, what are we doing out here? Yeah, and then we had to ride like 15 miles back, and I'm like, I'm falling asleep while I'm doing 35 on a four wheeler. It was not good. <laughs> it was not awesome. good. good times though. <laughs> so okay, got any good uh, got any good horror stories? Like, I mean, have you had some stuff come in? You're just like. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. Where do I begin? Um, God, the, the most common offensive is, uh, is dude, guys bring these things in with maggots on them. Okay. And this is, this was more back when I was doing, I was doing Euro mounts and, um, man, it's like, dude, I get it. Like that's a cool bull, but you didn't need to put it in the back of your pickup and, and ride around town for, you know, five days in September with it before you brought it to me. So those are always a pleasure when you, you, you open up the garbage bag and it's just crawling full of maggots. So had plenty of those. Um, man, I had, I had one guy and I, it sucked. I felt bad. He shot this beautiful mule deer here in Idaho, probably a mid one seventies buck, really beautiful chocolate horns, really heavy deer. And dude, he cut the, he cut the Cape like at the neck. I mean, it was wow. literally the neck forward. And I felt terrible. I was like, buddy, I mean, I, I can't do anything for you. I mean, I can, I can buy another Cape or whatever. And so he ended up not wanting to do it. And, um, he just, he just did a Euro mount, but you know, it's just things like that, that, uh, like, man, you know, just got to put a little bit of a uh, little bit of homework into it and just know what you're doing before you, before you go out there. So mm-hmm. I had a few of those guys. I've had some funny, funny phone calls too. the things that people want to get taxidermy, will just blow your mind. Um, you've, had, you've had some like roadkill, right? People are like, Hey, I want to get this mounted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have <laughs> had a guy bring me a coyote one time and, uh, I was like, Oh, that's cool, man. Did you, uh, you know, you, you call this in you shoot? He's like, no, I, we were driving and, and, uh, I saw it on the side of the road. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's cold outside. There's snowing. So I, I picked it up and he's like, it should be in good shape. I mean, you know, could you, uh, you know, could you maybe life size this for me or, or do a rug and I'm like, well, all right, well, let me take a look at it. So this thing thaws out and the whole other side of it, which I couldn't see because the leg was frozen down. I mean, it's, it's missing like half of the animal. So I had to call him back and <laughs> I was like, I, I, I'm sorry, this thing's going in the garbage. I, I, I'm not, I'm not mounting this for you. So yeah, I I've had rogue, but, uh, but it's, but it's missing pieces. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're missing half your coyote here, so that's yeah. not going to work. But I've had people want me to mount horses, uh, cows. Um, I've had people call. I had a lady a few weeks ago wanted me to mount her uh, her, her pet dog that had passed away. Um, That's rough. 
<laughs> get some, get some interesting phone calls, man. It's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Well, it's pretty fun though to watch your business grow. I mean, I, from the outside looking in, um, watching you succeed is it's super cool. And yeah, I mean, you, you live in an area where, well, you live in Idaho, so there's tons of opportunity and you guys are actually doing something to start working on these wolves. And no, it's, it's awesome, man. It really no, is. It's been really rewarding. It, it's been, um, it's been a good learning experience too. I mean, trying to understand how to juggle a growing business while working a full-time job and trying to be a good dad and husband. It's been a challenge. I mean, you and I, we've had, oh God, we have conversations all the time regarding that and just, you know, trying to work through our frustrations and how we're balancing life and all that stuff. But it's, it's so rewarding just to see people appreciate, you know, the amount of work that I've put into learning and honing my craft and I'm mean, continuing to learn. I mean, I don't think you ever quit learning. I mean, there's so many talented artists out there and, and even taxidermists in our area that are just phenomenal at what they do. And um, just, you know, just seeing their work all the time, really, it pushes me to, to keep, keep getting better and keep learning new techniques and, and keep growing my business. So it's, uh, it's been fun, man. And, and it's been so cool too, to see, you know, good friends like you and, and people that I, you know, that I know in the hunting industry, like, like helping me out and promoting my business and taking in animals for me. And, you know, it, it, it's been awesome. It's been so rewarding. No, but it, it, that's what it's all about, man. It really is super cool to see. And yeah, you touched on a topic there. It's it's a work-life balance, but it's you know it's a lot of fun to, to, to grow a business and, and get a bunch of happy clients that, that keep coming back and share their stories. And yeah, that's that's just awesome, man. So um, one question I did have for you, you know, you're around a lot of successful hunters every year, of course, because they're bringing in animals and you're around a lot of, a lot of successful hunters that, I mean, consistently are killing pretty big animals, big deer, big elk. What's, what are some trends that you see amongst the hunters that are consistently doing it? I mean, and I'm not, I'm not knocking guys that, that are buying, you know, like landowner type tags and doing guided hunts, but like, I'm, I'm talking the trends from people that are DIY guys like us buying, you know, over the counter tags and hunting public ground. Like what, what are some things that you see from these individuals that you're like, wow, okay. They, they've got to figure it out. Well, I think that's it. You, you said right there, it's, it's the guys got to figure it out. You know, it's, yeah. it's guys that, you know, they, they take, hunting's what they do. It's who they are. Right. I mean, it's, it's guys like us. I mean, that's, we, we talk about hunting season. We think about hunting season. We, we prepare about for it, you know, year round. And it's the guys like that that are getting out, getting after it, getting, you know, getting, getting into places where you're going to get away from the crowd. You're going to get where, you know, back into areas where the mature animals are. I mean, those, those, those pucks and bulls, they don't, obviously don't get big by being dumb. And, um, you know, just it's, it's guys like that. They're, they're getting back in the back country, but also they're, they're patient and they're, they have the ability to pass animals and they're, they're looking for that next level buck. You know, they're, they're passing up smaller bucks that probably 90% of people would shoot. And they're, they're just, I don't know. They just got that it factor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the 10 percenters, the guys that do it consistently, you know? So they have that time too, like you're saying, like they have the time to, to de- dedicate themselves to it. And then also to spend that time in the field to be patient, be selective and know that, okay, I might pass on this, this deer that, yeah, it's a great buck or, oh, it's a great bull, but I've got time and something else might happen. Oh, exactly. It's that guy's going to, it's that guy you can find that's going to pass that 160 inch four point, which yeah, I don't yeah. know a lot of guys like that. I, I have a tough that. time myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I see a 160 inch four point, it's, it's a uh, safety's on. Yeah. 
yeah, we're uh, we're going full send on that one. So it's it's guys like that, but also too. I mean, and you hit on it too. It's um, it's the guys that are, you know, there's some private land guys. It's um, it's the guys that are buying landowner tags, but even those guys too. Like, and I can't knock them myself because I, you know, I uh, it's still hunting. I, I you know, absolutely. It's um, it's not a gimme. But because the guys that I know that buy those tags or, or have that access to private land and stuff, I mean, they're, they're still phenomenal hunters. Like they cut their teeth with over the counter general season DIY hunts. Like they still got that factor. Like they're still going to get in there. They're going to get after it and they're going to kill something big, regardless if they're, you know, they've got a premium tag or not. Like they're still going to get in there and get after it. So, you know, it's, I don't know. Well, that, that brings up a good point too. And it's like, if you look at, at, at ourselves, you know, we started off hunting just Oregon, but how do you, how do you become more successful? Well, you hunt more often. And so now all of a sudden we're applying and buying points. And I would say the better part of a dozen States and hunting, you know, two to four States a year, just so you can have more opportunity and more time in that zone. So, yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. And it's just kind of that, that natural progression of a, of a hunter that, you know, instead of having one deer season, I want to have three deer seasons and I want to chase elk instead of nine days. I want to ch- chase elk for 30 days, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And you're going to, I mean, it becomes more important to you. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to find ways to, to spend the money on out of state tags. You're going to find the ways to, to buy that landowner voucher or get access to that private ranch. Not because, you know, you don't want to go out on public land, but I mean, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but you know, I'm, I'm there for the experience, whether we're on private land or public, I'm, I'm there to, to experience the hunt. Um, especially elk hunting. I mean, I want to be in there. I want to, I want to hunt elk in their natural habitat, right? I don't want to hunt elk with 1500, 1500 other hunters in the general vicinity, just trying to call in elk that are sprinting for their lives. Right. Well, you and I are are always saying that when we're in an area that we're, you know, where the elk are acting like elk and it sounds stupid, but when we're in an area that the elk are able to just do their thing, we're, we're having a lot more fun and we're a lot more, more productive because guess what? We can kind of figure out what they're going to do. They're not getting bumped every three hours. Exactly. They're going to go through their normal day-to-day routine and not just, like you said, they're not going to get bumped and, and, and head into the next County. Yep. Yep. Which we all hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to love chasing elk. If you had to give just one piece of advice to a, a new elk hunter or any elk hunter for that matter, what would be like, what do you think is the most critical thing you could tell an elk hunter? Oh, we'll, we'll boil it down to archery elk hunting um, to, to be more successful. Man, you're never going to, you're never going to fool an elk's nose. And I think it's taken me a long time to understand that. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but <clears throat> I think, I think back to like the hunt that you and I were talking about when we killed that spike and we just kept oh, yeah. screwing over that, you know, there's a time and a place to be aggressive and to make a move. And there's a time and place to be patient. And I think at that point in our, our hunting careers, we didn't know when to be patient. And so we were always pushing the envelope, always trying to make things happen when conditions were borderline. Typically it's the wind and we ended up just blowing elk out. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a, a new guy, and I think that's really tough too, because you're—I mean—you're excited that bull's bugling, and, and there's a lot going on, and you're trying to get close, and you just—you want to—you want that feeling of success so bad that I think you—you don't—you know—you're not always making the right moves or, or, or thinking about things logically. But you know, I think that's what 
for, I mean, I know for me, um, yeah. kind of learning over the years is, is just being patient and, um, yeah, I mean, just, just don't, you know, don't go down there if the wind's not right. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to have, I got two things to say. One, it's going to piggyback on what you were saying. Cause I totally agree. You got to know when to be patient and then you have to know when to be aggressive because like the patience is going to get you to that point. Like I've learned so much the last several years on, okay, when, when you're within a hundred yards of a bull and you have the wind, right? Like you better close the distance because there's no, there's no, um, you know, perfect sound or nothing that's going to happen where all of a sudden he's going to decide that he's to come that extra 50 necessarily when you can, when you can actually close that ground. And I'd rather bump, you know, more elk and, and then kill more elk than just wait back and then never have that opportunity. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. There definitely is a, is a, it's a balancing act of, of when to be patient, when to be aggressive and yeah, put, just put yourself in that opportunity more. Mm-hmm. the other one i was going to say is you have to know when it's time to move like as far as move areas because a lot i, I see so many people get stuck in this rut of um oh well, i've been on here for like the last 10 years i'm like that's great and you've probably had some success but if you've killed one or two bulls out of the last 10 years on the same spot you need to find some other country or at least cover more ground to find more elk because when you find them and you know that you're in them it's it's unmistakable well, that's a great comment. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I think about last year, you know, when I went archery hunting here in Idaho and I hunted a spot that the last three seasons, I mean, we've, we've, I think I've killed two bulls out of there. My brother killed a bull out of there three years ago. I mean, we were always into elk and last year I was in there and that place was bone dry and there was not a single elk to be seen within miles. And, um, yeah, I mean, to your point, it's like, you know, younger me probably just kept beating the brush in the same spot and just said, well, you know, there's been elk here in the past, but you know, I had to move. I ended up going like 10 or 15 miles from, from where my camp was at and ended up killing a bull. But, but no, I, I completely agree. And then too, I mean, and we were, I think we were guilty too when we were first, first getting started, but um, <clears throat> as people just call too much, I think, especially when you're new, there's so much excitement. You want to hear that bull bugle back, but um, it's just learning obviously how to use a call, when to call, how to call and, um, and all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh gosh. We have screwed up a lot of elk in our days. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I tell you what, I screwed up, uh, screwed up more elk than I've, than I've put tags on. Exactly. What are your big plans for the year? I know you're going to come over here and, uh, give me a hand on my archery tag, but what do, what do you have for tags this year for, for big game? Uh, so I've got, so yeah, I mean, that's funny too, man. I'm, I'm so pumped for that hunt. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm actually like, that's the most excited I am for any hunt I have this fall is to come over for your elk hunt. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a blast to we, kick we, things we, off. We've been talking about this hunt for now. Well, 18 years with the points. So yeah, yeah. I do. We're four and a half weeks away. I, know. I mean, it's right there on the doorstep. I got all the, all the broadheads dialed in this morning and they're flying good. So <laughs> that's been cool too. seeing, you know, seeing trail camera pictures and, and, and getting feedback from you for guys you're talking to all those big bulls over there. So, yeah, it's cool for you. It just puts more pressure on me. <laughs> That's the best part, man, is I'm not the guy with the tag. And so <laughs> I just get to go there and hang out, be nice and relaxed, help call. And uh, and you're the one that's got to bear all the uh, all the pressure. I, lo- I love all the guys. And I mean, I'm not knocking them one bit because I've been very fortunate to get a bunch of help. Like, oh, dude, you should kill at least 350-inch bull in there. And I'm like, dude, this is Oregon. I mean, come on. Like, I, a 350-inch <laughs> bull, I would be ecstatic. But you get a bull in the 300s that comes in, it's, and it gives me a good shot. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let an arrow go. 
Find me a guy that draws that tag. It's going to pass a 320 bull. Oh, exactly. A 310 bull. It ain't going to happen. No. Oh, it's going to be so fun. So, uh, yeah, so I got that in early September with you. And then uh, my brother's coming over to Idaho. We're going to do uh, last week in September. I got an archery elk tag here in Idaho. And then a little bit later, a couple weeks later, actually in October, going to go back and do that same rifle hunt that we did last year with, uh, with you and Trent and the boys. Oh, sweet. So I got that tag. And then during the same time frame, I do have a, I have an Idaho antelope tag that I was able to get. And so that thing runs from, I think it's the end of September through like the third week in October. Awesome. So I'll have that. And then, um, I'll have just a, just over the counter mule deer tag. So you got some tags in your pocket. That's, that's so I got sure. some tags. I'm pretty, I'm pretty jacked for this year. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super excited and the way diesel prices are starting to come down a little bit they can just they can just keep on coming down so right that wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings <laughs> not, at <all. laughs> not at all so but you guys well you what do you got you got your september elk hunt september elk hunt um we got oregon uh deer uh i know like trent and trevor they've got some idaho tags cody's got an idaho tag we got colorado deer and then we'll be hitting waterfall pretty hard after that but i mean we'll be We'll be busy through that, you know, middle November. So, well, you've, shoot, you've got a hunt here, what, a week? Two oh, weeks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forget my dad's hunt. Yeah. My dad drew that. He drew an Oregon antelope tag by chance, which it's a, it's a very good antelope tag. Well, I was fortunate to hunt it in 2016 with a bow. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, if I had a rifle, this would be incredible. So, yeah, we're heading back with the rifle now and it'll be pretty fun. So, that's going to be awesome. Good times with your pops. I'm really ex- excited to go hunt, uh, blacktails this year i've got uh i've got the way my my schedule worked out i've got the last five days of, of blacktail season off for the rut so it'd be kind of fun to do that too absolutely what are you gonna do in october um october is gonna be blacktail time and then basically getting getting things ready for for the fall for waterfowl as well i'm actually i last year i was gone for about three weeks in october this year i'm actually gonna be home for a little bit so it'll be kind of nice that'll be good yep. soccer season with the boys Soccer season. Oh yeah, we gotta get those kicks in for sure. That's right. That's that's you always gotta, you gotta try and catch a beaver game too, which will be fun. Get a, a beaver home game. Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so something new I'm doing. This is a fast five. You have no time to think about this. You just gotta answer them as okay. nice and fast. All right, you gotta pick one for the rest of your life. Rifle or archery. Archery. Okay. That was pretty fast. Uh deer elk. Elk. Archery, okay, that's a no-brainer. Uh, base camp or backcountry? Backcountry. Uh, two weeks in Alaska, two weeks in Africa. Two weeks in Alaska. Thank God you said that. Oh. <laughs> really, I do want to go to Africa someday. I, was, I really do. There's only really animals I want to shoot in Africa, and then I'm good. I was really worried you were going to say Africa, and I was like, wow, this, this, this whole conversation could turn really bad. This could be the last time I'm on yeah. here. Okay, hot coffee or cold coffee? Hot coffee. Breakfast or dinner? Who the hell drinks cold coffee? Uh, I do in the afternoon sometimes, but yes, I'm. Oh my I'm god, right. this must be an this must be an Oregon thing. <laughs> I can say that now because I've been in Idaho for six years. Oh yeah, exactly. So, breakfast, <laughs> breakfast or dinner? Breakfast you for dinner. Say, you better say breakfast. Oh my god, I mean chicken fried steak, buddy. I, mean, I know. How many times have we been in in La Grande and just crushing, you know, chicken fried steak and then go out? At oh, nine wow. o'clock and go shoot a lemon of mallards at uh, the marsh, dude. Yeah, look look at uh, all the breakfast options compared to dinner options. Breakfast is is such a no brainer, you know. Yeah, biscuits and gravy, right? 
Eggs Benedict, chicken fried steak. I mean, all the different types of potatoes, all the eggs. Yeah, the bacon, the sausage. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. Inside of pancakes. I'm getting, inside of pancakes. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. <laughs> but speaking of waterfowl, I do I do want to get out waterfowl with you again. So I got to remember if I know how to do that still. <laughs> you got to figure out which which uh, which part of the shotgun to put the shotgun shells in. That's right. I, I'm terrible, man. <clears throat> I've been I've been out of that game for a while. Yeah, you got to guys got to come out. It's it's uh there's there's definitely ducks to be had. I mean, I'm not I don't think I'm the, the best guy to to put you on some on some birds, but we'll find somebody. Hey, you know me. I I'd much rather hunt in the in the dry conditions than the wet. I get my my fair share of rain. So, there's a big river that we can put that fancy new boat on that uh that you got. Exactly. So, where uh where can people people find you if they want to talk to you about getting some work done this year? Um, you can DM me on Instagram at it's uh, at revival underscore taxidermy, or you can email me at Brian at revival taxidermy.com or visit the website revival taxidermy.com. Perfect. And you'll, you'll take stuff. I mean, kind of from all over the place. I know I've taken some stuff for you from guys in Oregon and then you come and pick it up and do all that. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got that freezer there in your place. So, um, yeah, you guys have been awesome. You and Heather have been a huge help taking in animals and yes, they got family over there. So I come over to Oregon a few times a year to come visit, especially around Thanksgiving time. And I'll, I'll come deliver animals or, or pick them up for your place and, and do all that. Yeah. Once, once Wyatt gets old enough, I got to teach him how to start taking, taking the hide off of schools, make it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. I'll get them all trained up. I'll, I'll pay him to, to Kate for me. Oh yeah. God, that kid's getting, God, that kid's getting big. And that was awesome seeing you guys out there. Those videos you sent me of, uh, of you guys shooting that 3d course. That was really cool. Oh, he loves it. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool too. We're pretty fortunate to have that. It's a uh, Bushman's archer, Bushman's archery or Bushman archers. And it's like 15 minutes from our house and we can run up there and go get eaten by mosquitoes and shoot our bows. So yeah, it's, it's cool because I mean, you know, I, you know, I talk about it all the time, but pretty soon here, our hunting plans are going to revolve around our kids. I mean, you've got Wyatt who's, who's 10 and, and Emma who's, sh- she's nine and a half. And I mean, we've got some youngsters coming up right behind them too. So it's going to be, it's going to be busy here. Once those kids start, start getting tags as well. Lots of youth tags and hopefully some good rut opportunities. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now Wyatt, uh, Wyatt's getting, getting ready to go next week. He's got his field day for hunter safety. Oh man. That's awesome. He's, yeah, he's that was, excited. <laughs> that's such a cool hunt. And it's so awesome. That you guys are able to capture that on film too, for, for him to shoot his first turkey last year. And you know, that's something that you guys are able to look on, look back on for forever. Yeah, no, it, having, having Cody there to film it and capture <laughs> Wyatt was fired up. I mean, I can't, <laughs> he about froze him to death first. Well, yeah, of course, you know, he wasn't listening to me in the morning. I told him to put more clothes on. Cause it's like 32 degrees. And he's like, I'm fine, dad. But we sit down on that first tree and within about 15 minutes, I mean, he's just shaking like a jackhammer and that bird's coming in and, he toughed it out. I will give him props. I mean, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I give him props cause he was cold. I mean, he was shaking. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, right on, man. I really, really appreciate getting to spend some, we, we never get a chance to talk this long. It's usually like five or 10 minutes in passing. So exactly. Usually it's like one of us is taking a break from work or driving home from work or, and with the time chains too, it's, it's always like you're driving home from work and I'm eating dinner <laughs> or, exactly. or I'm driving home from work and you're still at work. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Just right. Well, hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Hope you guys really enjoyed this. We sure had a good time, good time chatting and catching up. And uh, huge thanks to Onyx. 
have a great, uh, great week. And if you're listening to this during elk season, make sure and check into our, our rut reports on Mondays. Um, it should be an action packed season. We've got a lot of tags and as long as fire season doesn't shut us down anywhere, we'll be, we'll be traveling a bunch. So Brian, look forward to catching up, seeing you here in a few weeks and, uh, have a great night. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. See you here uh, real soon. All right, buddy. All right. See you.